2: Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon on Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. Or if you prefer not to call in live or you're listening through the archives, you can send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at Yagain.org. that's whyagai dot o-r-g and if we get a comment or a question from you through the email we'll address it on the internet show and then as time allows send you a notification about what day and time that occurred so that you can listen to the archives for the feedback or input. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service, and that's just a whole heck of a lot easier to do when we understand how these things are landing for you. What's working, what isn't working, how we might better assist you in building your own proficiency in the use of these tools. And um, that, it being a Tuesday, I should mention that there will be a support group tonight. And um, every almost every Tuesday and Thursday we have a support group that's available for free. And if you could uh, join us, we'd be happy to have you. It's uh, All the information you would need to join us is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And there's a separate info page for the Tuesday login and a separate info page for the Thursday login. So if you're able to join us, please do. If you have the... interest you can pass that information along to somebody else you think might be interested and we would appreciate that as well so we have plenty of time for comments questions answers testimonials please consider raising a hand if you call 563-999-3581 and area code 541 you're in the air
3: good morning dr tim celinda here Good.
2: good morning how can we support you today
3: um can uh michael talks about the difference between um externalization and projection and i'm not quite getting the link between the two or the difference between the two?
2: I was well, hoping you could explain that. Michael Michael is trying to clarify what happens in, in the common parlance within psychology and psychiatry. And they talk about projection the way Michael talks about externalization. So when you hear somebody in the common psychological or psychiatric field talk about projection, that's what Michael calls externalization. Either they're just verbatim defined that way. And Michael likes to talk about projection as an internal process in which I use my past experience, my thoughts and beliefs and traumas, etc., to create a picture, to project into my own mind, picture of somebody else. So, for Michael, projection is completely internal.
3: so he's just splitting the meaning into two distinct meanings for himself so how would he define projection
2: then he that's his his term of projection is okay is making a picture up in my mind projecting my images my my gunk into an image of somebody else in my mind so okay, i think right now Salinda is just being stubborn because I think she understands this concept and she's just trying to put me on the spot. Now, I've got a picture in my mind of Salinda with my issues of being stubborn projected into my mind's image of Salinda. Now, if I start telling Salinda she's being stubborn, now I'm externalizing it. Right now i'm interacting with Celinda as though my image of her in my mind is the actual truth. Okay, now externalization I got it. that's the externalization process which the regular you know the field of psychology and psychiatry would call projection, and Michael reserves projection for that internal process
3: and he calls projection
2: seeing the other person.
3: Throwing it on their shoulders.
2: Seeing an image in in your mind, projecting an image in your mind of the other person. Okay. It's all an inside process.
3: It's it's awfully subtle distinction. (laughs) Yeah. Because if I'm seeing that within my mind, then invariably at some point I'm going to project it out over there on the other person or externalize it, or I don't know. See, it's just, it's totally a morass for me.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. (laughs) It is a, a complicated thing, especially for people who have been using the term projection to think I'm, you know, I'm somehow doing something from inside myself to somebody on the outside. He's, Michael is just trying to be more and more accurate with his work. He's trying right. to be able to, to break down the process into uh, component parts so that there's more places that one can intervene and change the pattern if it's an unproductive pattern. That's one way to think about it. Okay. Well, I
3: I'm think I'm pretty solid now that I'm catching myself when I'm externalizing and I'm catching myself when I'm projecting onto my own eyeballs, <laughs> the insides. So it's it's just I am really, really focused on being 100% responsible for my stuff and accountable for my uh, the effects of my errors. And it just I'm really focused on that.
2: Well, I hope it provides as much benefit to you as it has to some of us over the years. That you know that is never a one hundred percent process, and yet I can get closer and closer to it the, the more I practice. Yes, and
3: and uh, while Larry is walking over and shoveling snow, I wanted to share with you and any of the support group that happens to be on the radio that I really miss your support groups. And um, if I were single, I would carve out that space. Um, I'm just getting um, feedback that I'm spending too much time on the Aramaic gospel. And so I just wanted to share that with you. All right. um, At this point, I feel this is the best I can do.
2: All right. I'm certain it is then. The best for you and your relationship.
3: That's right. And that's
2: what That's what's important.
3: Thank you so much. All right.
2: Anything else we can do for you today?
3: Not at the moment. I just really appreciate your support and the support of everybody who shares this perspective.
2: All right. Blessings. I will mute you so you can listen to the rest of our show. And I will invite other comments questions, answers, and testimonials, as we have plenty of time, as we kind of take a pause in the reading of the Way of Mastery, having two days' worth of reading on the fourth lesson, and the concept of um, introducing a new definition for the word desire, and um, We'd love to hear your input, how it's landing for you, what's working, what isn't working. 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. I was able to get yesterday's show edited and uploaded before I left last night, so there is a separate page now for Lessons 4, 5, and 6 on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And um, I believe the the page name says 2022-2024 Way of Mastery with Commentary, Lessons 4, 5, and 6. And currently they're just... Friday's show and yesterday's show on that page. And there's also the 2023-24 Way of Mastery with Commentary Lessons 1, 2, and 3. And that has all of the files from October 30th And it's just the first hour of October 30th through December 7th of the shows, most of them related to the readings with commentary of the Way of Mastery. So, I am welcoming comments, questions, answers, testimonials. I am um, I have um I received a uh, kind of a, an invitation from Susan um, Bingham to uh listen to a podcast with uh Christine Ryman. I think her name is and in listening to that podcast um it's just I think they spent three, four, five minutes at the beginning of that podcast talking about how they are one of the top-ranked shows or podcasts, you know, most downloaded. The podcast name is Radically Genuine. The Radically Genuine podcast with Roger K. McFillin who is a doctorate of clinical psychology and board-certified. And the summary of that podcast is, Radically Genuine satisfies the hunger for authenticity and truth that's gripping the world through daringly candid interviews, unfiltered discussions, and meticulous research, it boldly explores scientific narratives, mental health landscapes, and the cultural trajectory of Western societies. No topic is off limits as the Radically Genuine podcast exposes the harms of the psychiatric system and reveals how industries distort health-related scientific findings. It fearlessly challenges the pharmaceutical industry, cultural conditioning, and the commodification of well-being. So turning well-being into a commodity. Dr. Roger McPhillon is a clinical psychologist and board-certified in behavioral and cognitive psychology. And so I don't know how many followers this show has or how many times these episodes are listened to. Um, But they spent a good deal of time in the intro talking about how they are now in like the the top 5%, 10%, 1%, whatever, of all podcasts downloaded. And um, so... I can, I can recommend that for people who want to get a, a different take on things. They were interviewing Dr. Christine Ryman, who's an MD, who had her own health problems that um, the, the allopathic medical community could not help her with. So she had to go elsewhere, and she went into the holistic and integrative and functional medicine world and started doing her own research and found a way to recover from the Lyme disease that basically had her bedridden and had her family thinking that she was dying for five or six weeks. And um, now she's on a mission to help as many people as possible recover their own most vibrant versions of themselves and get back to living their amazing lives. She offers um, the Healing Grove membership, which we talked about a few years ago on this program. It's kind of expensive, but it's a, a way to get access to her. And she now has a latest offering of Life After Lyme coaching program because she has discovered how to heal herself from Lyme disease without taking endless rounds of antibiotics and she just doesn't have the time in a day to help all the people that reach out to her so now she's um, got that other program going life after Lyme and since nobody else has a hand up I think I'll mention another book that I'm working my way through on um, audible which is breath BREATH and the subtitle is by James Nestor, N E S T O R, and the subtitle is The New Science of a Lost Art. And um, You know, we talk about breath work in the set of tools that Michael Rice presents, and I talk about how I teach people a a specific, very simple breath work that is designed to stimulate the parasympathetic, the rest and digest, the calm down response from your body's energy system. And that's very simply that I ask people to take a comfortably full set of air in their lungs hold it for a count of two or three and then resist the exhale so that the exhale ends up being two four eight times longer than the inhale and some people say you know your your exhale to be really effective in this should be ten seconds and some people sell a, a little um, necklace that um, is basically just a tube that you can blow through as you're breathing so that it ensures that your exhale is long and slow. And James Nestor has taken that to an extreme. He has taken study of the breath and the history of the breath and what happens when you breathe and which gases are important in your breathing and is oxygen more important than carbon dioxide and is more breath uh, better than less breath and it just it's quite informative and it presents ideas that I haven't encountered anywhere else before. Susan?
0: Hi. Oh, you're Welcome. on to two different, hi, two different topics. The breathing one, I, um, I'd be very interested about that. I heard a, a podcast about breathing myself, and it said take a deep breath and then take a little more. Force your lungs to accept a little more and then resist the blowing out and do it through your mouth. That's just something I've been, I do it at the end of my a lot of sponsors. Tim, I can't come in right now after all, so I'll come in in a minute. I found it. You found it? Okay. All right. Sorry, Dr. Tim. Tim Bingham needed something too. Okay, the thing about the podcast with Kristen, I wasn't sure you got it. I'm glad to hear that you did. I found her story very moving, and I'd heard parts of it, but she also, I've also conferred with her as a a nutritionist, um, alternative medical person, and she's helped a lot. But one protocol she gave me for um, urinary tract infections, which I was getting quite a lot of at one point, she put me on these heavy antibiotics And my son's a urologist, and he went ballistic and said, that is not what you should be taking at all. We wouldn't dream of that. So I got caught in the crossfire between uh, a regular medical doctor and Kristen, and I was well by then, and I was feeling quite sick from this powerful antibiotic, so after a week I went off of it. And I haven't conferred with her, and I've been fine too, But there's real tension between the disciplines. And I don't know what to believe. You know, years ago, I was getting sick every time I ate, not throwing up, but almost just feeling awful. And a lot of anxiety, fatigue, turned out to be a gluten intolerance, but not celiacs. But it took an alternative medical person have me do an elimination diet and we discovered the culprit right away and I was immediately better. But my regular doctor had given me an anti-nausea pill and I knew that wasn't the answer. So we've, we've got this real, there's not enough dialogue between the two and of course the whole COVID treatment thing. Take ivermectin, say the, the, the naturopaths and The medical people say, oh, that's terrible. You should be taking something or other, an antiviral. Paxlovid. Paxlovid. Yeah, that's right. So again, you know, it's just a hard thing. So um, I sent you that because I thought you might be really amazed at the journey she went on and how she found her way to be well she's extremely bright and articulate but she has stopped being a regular medical doctor she calls on it when she needs it but she's got a very wide spectrum approach to people but my son thinks she's a nut so
2: well and I he has her. to because because he believes differently yeah right because he was taught differently yeah and and it, it's just it is a very challenging thing to navigate these days because mm-hmm. you can listen yeah. to people like Dr. Michael Rice and you'll say, well, this is what I need to do. And if you go and tell your primary care physician who's trained in the allopathic model that you're going to do that, he or she might tell you you're absolutely nuts. And yeah. and, and you can bounce yourself back and forth forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 recommendation that I give people most often is To whatever degree you can, be your own best advocate. Yeah. Trust your your gut intuition about these things. Don't take anybody's Mm -hmm. word for it. Try it out. Mm -hmm. And as long as it doesn't seem to be, you know, drinking a life-threatening poison, and if it's something like, you know, do a breathing technique or try this instead of an antibiotic and do this um, liver cleanse instead of... uh, have your um, gallbladder removed or whatever, if it's not life-threatening and right. you want to try it, why not give yourself permission? Because what our medical professionals ha- have been trained to do is think of themselves as infallible and that think of mm-hmm. themselves as their training and their, quote, science, close quotes, as... Mm-hmm rock-solid and perfect and mm-hmm. yet they they know at another level that it's not and they know that they what they what what science they have is still growing and is quite limited and so you know um i i have i have a caseload of people and occasionally i run into somebody who is just very bright and um and, and they will be advocating for a family member in a hospital setting, and it's a full-time job because the yeah. hospital and, and its protocols would basically end the lives of their loved ones if they didn't challenge them and advocate for something different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's <laughs> because they just have a protocol that is not paying attention to the individual needs of this particular patient. And sometimes it's because they've got a protocol that's just so... It's completely focused on drugs and nothing else.
0: hmm Yeah.
2: And so if you don't have somebody who can advocate for you and you're in one of those treatment settings, um, it's a crapshoot as to whether or not you're going to get good care or have any healing happen. Mm. So... And yeah. then there's the other side of the coin. I mean, I know people. I've, I get them in my, I heard several of them on this podcast. And they talk about how there is no evidence of this and that vaccine having any, whether it's a flu vaccine or the COVID. And, and, and they're, they're fighting against, you know, it's a war. Because some people have the power to say you can't work in this place unless you get this vaccine, and right. other people say that that's not healthy. That's not healthy for my body, and I don't want to do it. And I should have the freedom in this country to choose my, you know, the, the medical interventions I'm going to take. Yeah, and and they literally both sides are looking at this as a war, and yeah. both sides think they're doing what's best for the the overall health of the population and the individuals involved. And yet, the two approaches are often diametrically opposed. So it's it's every bit bit as challenging as having a preacher that says, you know, if you don't come to church on Sunday, you're going to hell. If you're not baptized in our church with our words, you're going to hell. You're not getting saved and somebody else who says, look, look inside yourself, do your own prayer, do your own meditation, and you'll be fine. Well, these are diametrically opposed.
0: Right. (sighs) Yeah, and it seems to be happening across the board in our culture.
2: Uh, In a lot of different areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's the medical, there's the political, there's the spiritual, there's the religious. Yeah. Mhm. There's the dietary. <laughs> I mean, if 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 you take a look at this book by um Nestor on breath, you're going to be told yeah. to breathe less. <laughs>
1: literally,
2: yeah. Literally. Quite literally. You know, when I when I was doing the Dr. Michael Rice's still point breathing work. <clears throat> One of the things that they tell you in that work is that what they want you to be doing is breathing through the mouth. Not the nose. Okay, through here's the mouth.
4: The link. I just tried to add it to
0: Sorry, Dr. Kim, ending was talking. No. I'll put myself on mute, but I'm listening.
2: So Dr. Michael Rice in his Still Point Breathing says the way to do this and move this energy and have this great effect is to lay on your back and to keep your mouth open and to breathe through your mouth, not your nose. And this book by James Nestor is literally beginning with an experiment that he did with another gentleman and some scientists monitoring all kinds of stuff in which they had their noses plugged for 10 days and they did nothing but mouth breathing. And as they did the mouth breathing, they recorded the physiological changes Wow! and, and, and they were devastating. Absolutely in the absolute opposite of health. Mhm. And and they and they monitored all these different things. And then at the end of the 10 days, they unplugged their noses and they started breathing through the nose and they're, you know, they 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 carefully tracked all kinds of things like the food they're eating and the exercise they're doing and they're, you know, getting measured all these all all these different times of the day. And mm-hmm. they so you know, there, there. In this book, he talks about how so many problems are created by mouth breathing rather than nose breathing,
0: mm.
2: including yeah, I... changes in the facial bone structure mm-hmm. and and teeth being crooked, et cetera, et cetera, because we breathe through the mouth r- instead of the nose. So, mm-hmm. so you know. The next thing is, all right, so now he's got a friend that he's been doing this research with, and the friend says, you know, what we need is more CO2 and less oxygen. And he says, I can't believe that. The CO2 is poison. It's causing global warming and this and that, and blah, 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 blah. Well, the other thing that happens in the still point breathing is that Michael Rice says, we want you to be taking full, deep breaths. Make the chest expand, have the stomach expand, etc. Mm. And And one of the things that they were talking about in the book is breathe less. Pull in, you don't need as much oxygen. You'll, you'll do better with less oxygen. And so take shorter breaths. Don't inhale as deeply, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what are you going to believe? Which, you know, which end of the <laughs> right. spectrum do you want to you know, believe in? Well, I would say don't believe in one or the other. Mm-hmm. Experiment with it and see what works best for you. Absolutely. And when That's I have so done true. meditation... When I have done meditation, what's happened with me is that I have begun with a few deep breaths and then I just relax into, I learned this from a Ram Dass meditation years ago, from one of his books, I think it was the book Grist for the Mill, but then I just watch what breathing pattern my body falls into or, or takes mm-hmm. on. And for the yeah. rest of The meditation period what he recommended is that you don't try and force yourself to take deep breaths you don't try and force yourself to hold your breath you just watch and if your body takes on a deep breathing watch that if it goes shallow breathing watch that if it holds the breath watch that and watch what happens
0: Mm.
2: well when I Mm -hmm. practice that on a regular basis what I find most of the time is that my breath, when I'm meditating, is very shallow. Mm-hmm. And occasionally there's a, a still point and then the breath picks up again. Sometimes there's a little bit of a deep breath to, to catch up, and, but many times it's just that shallow breathing that just picks up mm-hmm. very gently. And so my Mm -hmm. own personal experience has echoed what he's talking about in this book, Breath. And so I don't really need to have an argument with somebody about what's better and what's worse and certainly not what's right or what's wrong because I just Mm -hmm. want results. Yeah. And when they're hooked up to these all these devices to track their oxygen level and their muscle performance and this, that, and the other, what they find is when they breathe through the nose, they have more endurance and strength capacity than when they breathe through the mouth. Mm -hmm. And so all of these athletes that are taught to get going and huff and puff through the mouth, their, their research is saying, you know what? you get certain results when you do that, but you get better, more efficient results if you force yourself to breathe through your nose Mm -hmm. and that you can train your body into doing more with less, even though it's uncomfortable because he says, you know, he talks about the body mass index from X number of years ago and how it's gone up, and most Americans eat, or Westerners, eat a lot more food than they need. Mm. And, you know, there's this rate of obesity that they, you know, one in three people is obese and all that stuff. And and so he's, you know, he's got these statistics. But then he says, so clearly people are eating more than they need to eat. And the research that they're doing and uncovering indicates that we are breathing more than we need wow, and it's causing so. problems.
0: Yeah. So are you continuing with that book, Dr. Tim?
2: Yes. I have... I put out a request to interview him for the podcast and the answer came back he's working on a movie and something else and... um He's not available at this time. Mm. James is currently working on a film project as well as researching a new book at the moment and is unable to take on much else at this time. We appreciate your offer. All the best with your wonderful endeavors. They said, mm. but it's it's. I encourage people to look at stuff like this. The the, the book again yeah. is titled Breath. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is The New Science of a Lost Art. Because most people don't experiment with, they don't try new things, especially when it comes to eating and breathing and healthy habits like Dr. Rice is often saying, you know, if you're doing more of the, the right things, whether it's the, Michael Rice's worksheets and the journaling and the breath work, and, then when you have a symptom come up, it's probably the result of a healing process, whereas most people, when they have any kind of a symptom come up that's uncomfortable or unpleasant, they think, oh, my gosh, I'm sick, and they run to a doctor and get a pill. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you can experiment with very, very inexpensively, I mean, here's the price of a, of a book or an audible book, and you can start getting ideas about how to experiment with your breath. You don't need mm-hmm. devices, and you don't need pulse oximeters, and you don't need this and that. You can just experiment with how you breathe.
0: Mm. Well, I have a teeny testimonial in that department about breathing. I took Michael's um, still point breathing class, and I had a very hard time with it, and figured I was just resistant for some reason and maybe it was early childhood trauma and all that stuff. And then I just gave up trying. I couldn't keep my mouth open for one thing. And saliva was an issue and uh, it was on a Zoom call. So we were supposed to get deep, deep inside ourselves and yet Of course, Jeannie and Michael had to address all of us when they addressed one of us on the Zoom. So, you know, they'd say, Dan, uh, good going with everything. And I'd think, oh, I wish I was as good as Dan. I had such a bunch of bullshit going on during that that I thought, I can't fight this one. And at night... I would wake up in the middle of the night with an amazingly dry mouth because I was both trying to do still point, going to sleep with my mouth open, but also leaving it open open if I could. Turns out my gums were drying out my teeth. I was getting cavities. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try taping my mouth shut. And I've read pros and cons about that. And now I have this great tape that I stick across my mouth. I say goodnight to Tim. I said no talking anymore. About to tape up. and I'm sleeping much better. And it's so it's what you said. You just have to find out what you can do and what's best. I can't do still point. And I don't think, it, I'm hoping it's not resistance and stubbornness and all this stuff. Anyway, yeah, we just. We do what we can, I guess. My teeth are better too. I was getting cavities and things. You know.
2: Yeah, so. that's exactly what they talk about in the book. That it is not a healthy thing to breathe through the mouth. Mm-hmm. And there are all of all the science about how the air gets warmed, and it gets moistened, and it gets, you know, it stimulates the the tissues in the nose, and there's this spiral, you know, like the conch shell, the spiral in a conch shell? Yeah. They talk mm-hmm. about how we have that in the bones of our nose and our, and our sinuses, and it's, it's the nature of, you know, it's nature itself doing what works. And we were, you know, we were designed to breathe most effectively and with great health by breathing through the nose. And they go on to say, you know, this is when they when they do the research of the skulls that they found from different civilizations and 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 these go way back, they find that lots and lots of these people and these skulls have perfectly aligned teeth and they didn't have any dentists. Wow. And they, and they talk about how we've got All of these different, you know, this tremendous increase in people with um, crooked teeth and the, 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 I don't know if you've heard this before, but I've heard this from a number of people saying, your mouth is too small for your teeth. And so we've got to take some teeth out and we've got to break your jaw and stretch this here. And and they're saying that most of that is the result of mouth breathing. That wow. It, it, is, it is this really ineffective pattern that keeps, <laughs> that changes the tissue structure so much, it actually changes the bone structure over time. Wow. So anyway, just. Just a recommendation. It is a very interesting book. Um, It's available on Audible. That's how I'm listening to it. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just one of those things that goes right in line with the the Christine Ryman podcast. Well, it's not. She's just one episode on that podcast. But that podcast has a whole history of trying to take on Whatever they think is going on in the allopathic medical community that is not up to par. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open. I'm listening. I'm learning. And one thing I'm,
0: that Michael did say was that he intentionally wants to deprive the brain, if I got this right. Mouth breathing does deprive the brain of oxygen, and that promotes the doing of the kind of work he's hoping to do. I mean, he's got something, a real understanding of, I think, or partial, anyway, understanding of what what he's doing and the benefits of doing it and obviously he's getting a lot from it himself and Jeannie does he breathes her as he calls it and they it's a breakthrough sometimes a breakthrough scenario for them so sort of like Tim Bingham Tim 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 uses the wake up sheet if I do it with him if I sort of walk and talk him through it or the way Mm -hmm. you did but he doesn't take to it by himself he sort of it doesn't fit the way he thinks or his personality or something so sometimes he'll be in a bad way and say let's do a wake up sheet but mainly he uses other things to feel better so
2: well and you know the, the fact that Michael gets really good benefits from that kind of breathing is great for Michael, and it may not work for other people just mm-hmm. because Michael gets that benefit from it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get that same benefit from it right and there might be people that you know have uh, adapted some other approaches that have been highly valued across cultures for hundreds if not thousands of years, and they may get uh, a whole different and set of benefits from the shallow breathing through the nose. And it doesn't mean that they're, they can't get the same kind of, um, let's say, still point, right, that quieting time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Um, uh, the guy Wim Hof, who is a, another breathing guru these days, He's um, very well known for the uh, breath work and for ice baths and um, the whole idea of um, getting far more physical performance from your body than you would normally get, and a lot Mm -hmm. of it is with breath work. Well, the breath work that he does is not like... um, Michael's it's you know you breathe in and you forcefully suck the air in and then you let because you're laying on your back and then you let the weight of your chest push the air out so it's this, you know this this pattern that some might think of as pushing it hyperventilating and he says so you breathe that way for a minute or half or two minutes and then you pause And essentially what happens in that breath work is still point happens Mm. on a regular basis in that. But it's a very Mm -hmm. different kind of breathing than what Michael Rice recommends. And I'm I'm, I'm just trying to say it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just entirely possible that you might experiment with this and Mm -hmm. enjoy results that you hadn't imagined. So... That's the invitation. Here is someone else with a hand up. Area code two zero two. You're in the air. Who do we have?
5: Kim. Can you hear Hello, me? Hello, okay? Kim.
2: How, yes. How can we support you?
5: Well, I've um, I was just listening and I've read the book Breath, and I've done Wim Hof um, breathing techniques, and I've done mouth taping. Um, and I found each thing beneficial. Um, I don't have any experience with the still point breathing. Um, however, I was thinking as you were talking that it probably is largely dependent on what your goal is going into the breath session, which is kind of funny because talking about goals. But <laughs> um, I was just thinking that if your goal with point is to change your mind and where your mind is, then perhaps mouth breathing is the best option in that moment. And it might not work for everyone because of physical limitations. And um, I believe it was Dierdrick Wolzak who does another type of breathing that has the same intention of taking you someplace else. I don't know if it's holotropic. I can't remember.
2: You you don't know of, if what?
5: It's the type of breath, if it's called holotropic breathing.
2: Well, yeah, that's um, that's but, a big one. Yeah, that's a big one that yeah. people use.
5: Well, Nestor, will, I think he, he writes about that later on in the book. Um, and it takes you also to another place. Um, so I think it's all dependent on what, you know what you're trying to achieve and overall health. The the breath work you want to do day to day is is nose breathing is you know keeping mindful that your your mouth is shut and you're breathing through your nose. Um, I'm going to do something with my son right now where he's going to the orthodontist and we looked around for an orthodontist who is um, practicing this type of um, breath work along with um, with orth- like traditional braces and things like that. And we're working to expand his mouth right now to help his airway. And so it's overall health instead of just focusing on straightening the teeth. So anyway, I just found it very fascinating, fascinating conversation, and I wanted to add um, what I've experienced.
2: Great, great. And... Uh... I think you're, you'll, you'll speak more clearly and, and not have to correct this and that so much around people like Dr. Rice if you just do what you did here at the end and you talk about what's my intention going into this rather than bring in the word goals, right? Because so, with Michael, the goal is this very specific thing and he wants to jump on it. And, and a lot of people talk about the power of intention, and when you uh-huh. hold a certain intention as you begin something, you, you you bring other forces to bear that will probably help you in achieving it. Great, right?
5: right. Yeah.
2: And so, our when when you mentioned that you did the mouth taping, did that have benefits for you? Or are you still doing that?
5: I I don't need to do it anymore because I. I sleep with my mouth shut through the whole night without the tape now. When I first started it, it was incredibly beneficial. I noticed a difference right away. And uh, now if I'm sick, so last week I had really bad congestion, I wake up feeling horrible, and I can feel the difference of having sinuses I cannot breathe through all night and how different I feel when I wake up in the morning with the dry mouth and irritated throat and... Um, yeah, it makes a big difference. I feel like you, you get deeper sleep as well because you're not waking up as much uncomfortable, needing a drink of water or to clear your throat, things like that.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, there are a lot of people that that are finding the benefit. And, of course, what you're saying for most people would be the goal. Let me do this practice whether it's the mouth taping or you know some other apparatus that I use so I train myself to breathe through the nose and then after a while I don't need to keep doing it that that's that's great to hear because that's most people do not want to rely on these no matter how beneficial it might seem these artificial apparatus long term
5: yeah yeah, I don't think anyone wants to go to bed at night with the routine of now I'm going to place tape across my mouth. <laughs> so it's nice to it's nice to not need that now. It was just a tool to train my train my body to keep keep my mouth shut, and yeah, it also, and of course, promotes, uh, also tongue promote tongue posture. What? Good tongue posture. So. This is something my orthodontist works with, too, with my son, is making sure your tongue is up on the roof of your mouth and not hanging down. And that also promotes your mouth to remain closed and your sinuses to have more space. Um, A lot of benefits. These are things that we don't learn (laughs) uh, anymore, but I believe um, Nestor also writes about Native American cultures closing the mouths of their babies. If they noticed their mouth was breath- their baby was breathing with their mouth open, they would close the mouth. And this is kind of like ancient wisdom that we've lost the importance of keeping your mouth closed and breathing through your nose.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's there's just all kinds of stuff in that book. So if anybody's interested, again, the title is. Breath, B R E A T H and it's The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor, N E S T O R. Well, anything any last words for you, Kim?
5: I think that's it.
2: All right. Well, thank you. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. Thank you, Susan, for your comments and questions. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour and So, Linda, I see that you put your hand up again. I'm mentioning that so that uh, Jeannie will know as she starts the second hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice.
0: Thank you, Dr. Kim.
1: Ah, My headset. I'm having a challenge here getting my headset on. Thank you. Appreciate you.
2: You're welcome. Have a great show.
1: Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today is Tuesday, December the 12th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And that's what we want, It's for this to be your show, for us to be here to support you in any way that we can. And, uh, you know, for us to uh, do that, we have to know, you know, what direction do you want to take it? What can we do to support you? And so um, I'll give Michael just a moment to get dialed in, and then I will uh, turn on Celinda's microphone. So... My and I did a, a quick jaunt out. Um, we, there's a, a nice Indian restaurant here, and they serve some good vegetarian dishes, and they have a buffet. And so we decided that we would run out and eat at the buffet, and we just walked in the door when I turned on my phone. So um, give him just a, a moment there. And we hope that you're doing well. Hope that your holiday Preparations are going well, and that's remembering to breathe and stay connected to love. Um, I'll put the link for that, the book Breath by James Nestor in the notes for today. After Michael gets on, I'll look up the Google search for it so that I have the exact link. And I'll put that in the notes for today. That was interesting. I just caught the tail end of the conversation, but we appreciate you. Thank you, Kim, for talking about that, too. And let's see if he's having technical difficulties, if there's anything I can do from this end of the show. Let's see. So, Celinda's hand went down, so I'm assuming that means her comment was for Dr. Tim and not Michael. And I think that he had already spoken with Susan, her hand's up. I'm going to go ahead and turn on her microphone. Hi, Susan. How are you? hello, Jeannie. Hello, Jeannie. How are you today? I'm doing really really well. Thank you. And Michael is with us
0: now, so okay I was going to say it's brave and crazy that you watch these very disturbing movies Michael gives out the titles and I think well that's one I'm not going to watch <laughs> I, just, I haven't got the stomach you were so you, were so, you know that Christmas poem you read the song oh my god you were still suffering from the movie and I thought oh, geez <laughs>
3: uh,
0: you know I was going to use an a word, <laughs> not a nice word. But I was gonna say, life is such a. This is a quote now. Life is a shit show. Well, it's a lot of things, but I, uh, I haven't got. <laughs> I haven't got. A this. shit show. What
4: um, a great description, Susan.
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. You know, I've been watching The Crown. I generally don't watch things. I I do a lot of reading. Um, but my daughter is watching The Crown, the latest one about Diana, and I meant to get on that one but accidentally started at the very beginning, and it is just so exquisite. But it's also, I've seen some of the series years ago, and I'm listening to it with such different ears having started using wake-up sheets and the tools, the animosity, the the restrictions and restraints on the royalty, it's really, even that is, you'd have to do wake-up sheets, and I didn't feel the need of that years ago, I just remember liking it very much, but you can see, so, I don't know whether it's just, maybe I'm, I don't know what it is, but it's very different to listen now, and I'm thinking, even that takes a certain amount of breathing while, while watching, and yet you, you want to finish the work by diving into these deeply upsetting documentaries and movies about atrocities and things. And I don't know whether I admire you or think you're crazy.
4: Well, can I offer some feedback? Sure. Nobody in all of eternity has ever been upset by a movie or a documentary, ever. However, if someone watches that movie or documentary and there's upset in them, resonated by the movie, they're going to get it in spades. Now let's see, which way would be better? Keep it hidden, pretend it's not there so it unconsciously destroys us, or confront it, work through it. Which do you suppose would work better?
0: Well, that's a loaded question,
4: Michael. Oh, man. (laughs) It's not loaded. It's just simple, straight up, straightforward. (laughs) Can a movie cause upset in us? Pain, trauma, disturbance? mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely not. Well, whether you use the word resonate or cause, I understand the difference. And I don't even want to have stuff resonating. Because during the day, there's enough stuff resonating already. Yes, there is definitely a need to do wake-up sheets all day long. And to add to the homework by watching a movie that left Jeannie half of a wreck yesterday, I'm telling you, I think you're nuts. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I mean and I it, it don't, I brought guess...
4: up a lot it brought up a lot for both of us. We were both in tears. I know you said you but, said mm. but to to think that I can benefit by not facing that which is in me by pretending it's not there and avoiding any stimulus to it, does that make sense, really, when you think about it? I mean, if we're in projection, we can blame the movie. We can say, yeah, the movie does that. My offering is the movie doesn't do anything to us except show us what's there. And if mm-hmm. we are energetic beings and there is, in the Aramaic definition, of the word sin, if there are energies that are off the mark in us, is it wise not to face them and just let them lie there hiding and taking their toll on us? Just something to think about. I can remember the first time I did it. You know, I, I, I was in that mindset you're in. I can remember the first time I remember even what movie it was. There was a time frame where I would not go to a violent movie. I don't care what happened. I just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I had the guidance to go to this horrible movie called The Island. I don't know what year that was. But it was just like, I'm not going to that movie. <laughs> and my guidance was, go. No. Mm-hmm. Go. No. Okay, I'll go. In the opening scene, there's, there's a, a boat in the Caribbean somewhere, and somebody crawls up the back of this big, you know, not huge yacht, but fairly good-sized boat, and graphically hacks off somebody's leg. Hmm. And, and I say to myself, sitting in the movie, what the hell am I doing here? And the response came, Michael, you have a belief about a world of bodies, and you can heal that belief right here, right now, or you can ignore it and wait until you manifest it in your process, in your life. And that's the point at which I started to recognize I need to breathe, I need to forgive, and I go see those kinds of things all the time now. And I use it mm-hmm. as a catalyst to do my work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. just another perspective.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, I like the way you say that. So I invite you to look up 20 days in Maripol, have a stack of worksheets, and be committed to breathe and breathe through every minute of it. And what you'll be doing is processing through all the generational stuff that you believe about war and abuse and destruction. Mm-hmm. Because that's mm-hmm. what we got to look at. I mean, I, the last thing I said to Jeannie went to, went to sleep and, and asked Ruka. It's like, okay, whatever's been resonated in us, please, Ruka, through the night, work on that. Help us to let loose of that. Otherwise, you know, as a, a la yesterday's session, it becomes part of our unconscious creation. And isn't there enough unconscious creation going on in the world? It's time for us to allow ourselves to get conscious and to clean up the parts of us that we hide from ourselves. That would be my offering. And of course, yeah, everybody's well, got a choice to make.
0: Well, what you say makes sense. And I'm you're, you're in the eleventh grade or whatever it is, and I feel as if I'm in the first grade. And because, I'll give you an example, my son, one of his cats disappeared weeks ago now and hasn't shown up. And I wake up in the night and I have to do some breathing because I'm imagining her out in the wilderness, either dead by now or terrified, which is worse. That's just a cat. Right. And I yep. work through I work through that, and I think I, that's as much as I can do right now. Um, and then mm-hmm. I consign then that's the to whole. just do that? Yeah, well, and then I consign the cat once again, and I do it over and over to the care of God, whatever and whoever and however that is, and go from there. But to add on. You know, you read the paper. I do read the paper, which is probably a mistake. Have to do some processing reading the paper, watching these long lines of people trying to get into this country on the southern border because they're so desperate that they've got to get into this country where they're going to be so desperate. I don't know. I don't want to add a movie to it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: For me, one of the things to add to the awareness of what's going on on the southern border and how people are wailing and whining about it is a big part of the reason those people are in the kind of political, financial, and safety turmoil that they're in is because corporate America has helped to make it that way. Oh, yeah corporate America has been down in those countries just raping them to the max for everything they've got and leaving those people in a space of hopeless, helpless insanity. And so I think that uh, it's time for us to wake up because of course the the corporate world represented by certain political persuasion wants to tell us how terrible they are and what's wrong with them, and it's all projection. It's all mm. total, complete projection.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, we could go on and on and on about this. And I do hear you, and I do as much work as I can.
4: But Well, boy, nobody can um, do more than that. <laughs> so I'm with you. Just if it ever strikes you to do another level of intensity, there's the opportunity. And you everything know, that you clean up in your system mm-hmm. opens the energy windows for that which has been passed on by you to your future generations to mm-hmm. resolve more easily for them. To me, that's another yeah, reason
0: well, for doing it. It certainly is a good reason a terribly good reason. Um, have you ever watched The Crown?
4: Yes, we did watch that. I thought it was excellent. And yeah, the trauma, the uh, the demands on the royal family. I mean, you know, there's an old saying, I've been rich and I'd be, I've been poor and I'd rather be rich.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. and,
4: you know, there's definitely some some crazy stuff going on, but hey, if you're surrounded with, you know, you reach over and you put, three billion dollars worth of diamonds on your head for the evening you know it, Mm -hmm. it can't be too rough
0: well that's if you think and would like to watch season one show number nine i forget how they word it it's about a scene where winston churchill played by Oh, gosh, that wonderful actor. His name's gone from my head right now. Um, is, uh, his portrait is being painted by of a, a wonderful painter who does a beautiful job, evidently. It's considered a masterpiece. But Winston Churchill in real life burned that painting because it looked like the old man that he had become, and Winston couldn't face it. He just Didn't like
4: it, yeah. I remember that. Didn't like it.
0: Yeah. It's if John, you watched... John Lithgow. <laughs> Lithgow, yeah. John yeah, Lithgow, yeah. The fact, it's a psychological, piece of psychological gorgeousness in there where the painter took it upon himself to look at Winston's paintings because Winston did paint. He painted a particular pond outside on his property. And the painter said to him, I, I've been looking at your pictures and you, you paint a lot of pictures of that pond. And Winston says, yeah, you know, there's so much going on in the pond and the light's shining on it and I like it. And, and the painter says, I saw a tremendous something, grief, depth, despair even in those paintings. And Winston gets quiet. And it's a gorgeous exchange where they both realize each of them tells the other they've lost a child, one at four months, and the painter lost a little boy at four months from something. And Winston confesses that he lost a little girl, a toddler, uh, his fifth child. And the two of them get very quiet and then Winston says, you know, it, we bought this property right after that, and that's when I dug the pond, put the pond in. And he paints hmm. the pond over and over and over again. And right. you could, the acting is unbelievably beautiful, where Winston just stops and gets it that he's been processing by painting that pond right. and breathing painting the pond. And the painter is a gorgeous, beautiful, restrained uh, he's doing his life purpose. You can tell he is just stereotypy. Right. Anyway, if you ever, it's just a section of it. If you ever wanted to watch it, it is beyond gorgeous. And something like that, which is the best of art, and I'm, I'm sitting there so moved, and I'm thinking, I could do wake-up sheets on this, and this is not even the real thing. I mean... There's so much opportunity to need to do a wake-up sheet. Oh,
4: everywhere. Well, it's interesting. You know, I'd forgotten that scene, the details of it. And and we will go back and watch it just to, to be fully conscious of it, the way that you were conscious of it. To me, it was more, you know, it's just part of the backdrop of the film. But it certainly points out that even, like, you know, Winston Churchill was thought of one of the big tough guys of the world. Sooner Mm -hmm. or later, everybody's got to process everything in their own unconscious, Mm
2: -hmm. and
4: for him to realize that that's what he was doing as that's really, you know, powerful. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I was thinking it's partly from having done using the tools that that became so. Clear, whereas I didn't get that at all the last time I watched the series, which was about right. five years or so, when it first came out. But I mm-hmm. think you'll love it, and you'll love it on many levels. The acting is beyond gorgeous. Uh, the fact that so this man was
6: season so
4: real.
0: Season one.
4: Season one. Show,
0: show nine. Show number nine. Number nine.
4: nine well, so maybe we'll take a look at that tonight and talk about it tomorrow. And if it the isn't
0: nine, it's eight. But I think it's nine.
4: Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. And sort of fast forward to you see the painter sitting in front of Winston, who's sitting in a chair trying to pose. And the painter says to him, I want to work in silence. And so Winston starts to talk. I mean, and the painter goes along with it. It's just so gorgeous. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really even belong in the show, but.
4: Thanks for listening. Well, no, I think it does because, you know, to me, the big point of it is that uh, everybody's, whether they know it or not, whether they are doing it consciously or not, we're all constantly drawn to something that allows us to process what we haven't worked through. Yeah. And Mm. that's a, a powerful example of it.
1: That made me think of uh, when we watched, and we haven't watched it in a long time, um, Call the Midwife.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: that. I know. That was powerful. Um, They had one episode where some women had uh, lost their babies. And at the end of it, one of the nurses brings a rose plant and has her plant it, you know, as a memorial or whatever for the child that she lost, um, because she couldn't, she lost, I guess, in another country, and so she couldn't even go back to the child's grave,
0: Mm. and
1: so after we watched that, I actually planted a, um, I can't even think of the name of the plant now, um, I planted two of them for two babies that I had lost, and it still blooms, it doesn't thrive as much as I would like for it to, but, um, you know that watching that one season um, yeah. triggered some things in me from a long
0: time yeah. ago. Wow. wow, Jeannie.
1: Yeah, and gave me a way of of dealing with it as well.
0: Mm, nice.
4: So much to deal with. No kidding. I think you're a great
0: optimist, Michael, that you can think that you can get through all that generational trauma. It just seems like such a huge amount. That's one reason I won't watch the movies. It's like I can't get through what's right in front of me. I don't want to add something, even if it needs to be dealt with. So I'm
4: going to invite you to look at how your power person message is impacting you about what you can't do. And then I'm going to invite you to be really honest with yourself and acknowledge yourself for the monumental amount of work you've done in the last five, six, seven years. You know, from the point where you were on, I I don't know for how many years on, you know, you've shared with us on the show that you were on some pretty heavy-duty medication for years and stepped up and did your work, and you've gotten rid of that. That's a huge amount of work. That's like, you know, most people in the culture can't even fathom doing that. They're so addicted to their drugs. Mm. And you've done that level of work, and I'd support you really acknowledging yourself for that.
0: I I think I do, and I appreciate your saying that. The more you've done, the more you get, sort of, though. It seems... I mean, I feel more joyful now, you know, and it's true. I feel the fruits, and also one of my grandsons, in, I told him, I said, in whatever form you believe in God, believe in God and put your troubles to God and listen for God's answer, which is sort of like ask to be told, ask to be shown.
4: He, right, sure. And And
0: he, he's been doing that, and he's actually joined... A kind of interdenominational church at college and he goes every Sunday I told you this didn't I that he found a pastor who has OCD (laughs) he talked to his pastor didn't I tell you this I don't want to repeat myself
4: no you didn't he
0: he called his pastor his new pastor and said I'd love to talk to you he he said you know my grandmother keeps telling me to put my troubles to God and to listen to what God says. And I'm doing that, and she's also praying a lot for me. But I don't even know if I believe in God, but I really need God. And the guy said, that's a very good position to be in. And then Charlie said, he he said, I have this kind of anxiety called OCD. And the pastor said, you found the right guy. I have it too. (laughs) <laughs> I've been working with it for years. <laughs> so they went for a walk. The guy came to the college and took. they went for a, an hour's walk and talked about strategies on how to handle this anxiety. And also the guy may, said, you get yourself to church. This is what we do in here. We, we work with struggles like this. So Charlie has become this... So I feel as if there is a pretty obvious example of the tools being passed down in the form that Charlie can handle them.
4: Yes. Awesome. Well, you might remember that we've talked over the years. It's been a while since i brought this conversation up. But, you know, the word liturgy, which is what most churches use to describe their Sunday happening, for the most part, it's been lost, and most people don't know what the word means, but it literally translates, our common work.
0: Yeah. I, mean, every I remember learning that years ago. Every day
4: from mm. two, you know, noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time, we do liturgy on this mm. radio show. That's what it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's original intent and its original meaning Sunday wasn't supposed to be about, you know, doing all the fancy stuff that has to do with going to church. It was about gathering in community to do the common work that we have to do. Mm. To instruct, to be instructed, to be supported, to support, to learn, to heal. You know, that's that's the whole meaning of the thing in its origins. And unfortunately, it became about dogma and doctrine and Lots of lies got told by people who weren't willing to do their own work, and so twisted and turned the teachings until it became unrecognizable in many cases. And then, you know, there are some awesome people that are just about, you know, from within the church. And I remember that when I first came in touch, you've, you've heard us talk a couple of times about a, uh, a center called John 23rd up in Hartford City, Indiana, And when I first came in touch with that group, and I'm not really remembering at this moment just how I came to work with them, but I was introduced to the priest and the nun who run that organization. And when they touched into the why is this happening to me again work, and it was about healing and about cleaning up, I mean, they were just on it like, you know, flies on sugar.
2: Mm. They were just
4: like, yes, and... There was always an open invitation and a really deep space for people stepping in and processing
0: mm, wonderful
4: so that's pretty sweet that your grandson has uh has tapped into that, and you know there's whole, there's there's so much resistance in the culture because there's been so much hypocrisy and abuse in the name of God I think that if we can just make the shift from forget about God. Forget God doesn't care whether you think of God or not. God's not that small, mm-hmm. but remember your connection to love. Mm-hmm. And that's where the real work happens is in our connection to love.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
4: So that's pretty awesome to hear that he's tapped into that and accepting that support and and mm-hmm. and found a pastor that's uh got working through the same challenges.
0: I know we make Isn't a that good team. Great? Yeah.
4: And that I remember watching like... some of your 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 grandson's videos and he that kid is so bright.
0: Oh, that's Jacob, yeah. You haven't seen Charlie. Charlie's fantastic. Oh, okay. I'm mixed
4: up. I was thinking we were talking about Jacob. Okay, Charlie. All right, I got it. Right.
0: Now that's all right. Your son's Why son. Why should you remember? Yeah. I've got five of these guys, and <laughs> they all have things going on. <clears throat> but you know, Jacob is talented. He's we're we're trying to work with him because he's smoking a lot of weed and drinking at night. He isn't an alcoholic in the same style that his brother Luke was, is, but it's, it's taking his... It's hurting him, I think. It's hurting his even his ability to write music and to perform. It's hurting his throat. He's vaping it. And I don't know, we don't want to... We're going to... He's going to fly down to see his father... His father has moved to Colombia, um, and he's flying down by himself to see his father over Christmas, and he's going to go unprotected, so we're, you know, we're thinking about that and what he's going to go through. He can't do anything in the way of weed down with his father. His father will know he's doing it, and that might be a good thing, but who knows. Anyway, I'm going off on tangents. So listen. <laughs> Why don't I get off and let you run your show?
4: <clears throat> all right, young lady, we appreciate you. And your inquiring, willing mind. Thanks. All right. Lots of love. All right, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody out there in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room?
1: No, it is all quiet. So there's no other hand up. So if you have a question or comment or a direction that you would like support, press one. If you're on another channel where we can't see you in the switchboard, please dial in 563-999-3581 and press one. It puts a little hand up and then we know you want to talk. Several people on the switchboard. We've got 29 minutes. Let's go.
4: So we've got lots of time for conversation. Who has a question or a piece of support or something that would select the direction the rest of the show is going to go today? I appreciate it when we get uh, a question, a comment, something that moves us in a direction because the process is more live, being real, true, honest interaction and you know, one of the one of the games of the ego is, you know, well, I'm different than everybody else, and when someone's listening to the show and someone else taps in and starts the process, the realization that, you know, we're all in this boat together, there's nobody that's any different, there's nobody that's got special traumas or, you know, I mean, everybody's got their thing to work with, some more intense than others, no doubt, but the fact is we're all in this together and we can all be of support in moving through these stages and spaces of hostility and fear.
1: And we have a hand up. Let's say hello. 541. I believe it's Ms. Celinda. You're on the air.
3: Yes, it is. You probably got cross-eyed watching my one come up and go down and come up and go down. (laughs) But I didn't want to interrupt the conversation, so when that was kind of on a roll, I just put my hand down. (coughs) I um, would like to express my appreciation for the conversation between Susan and you, Michael, and uh, all of your sharings. Also, Jeannie. Um, I really resonate with what Susan is saying, and I'd like to share my take on all of this in relation to my own unique spiritual journey with, um, with doing my forgiveness work. Um, I seem to be called to a very gentle, affirmative path, And I seem to be have, as far as I know, this is my truth in this moment, been told by Ruha that um, my uncovering of my unconscious is to be a much gentler path than perhaps someone else's looks like. And believe me, my stuff comes up in spades on this gentle path. Anything from a, a cat uh, triggering irritation in me to whatever, it's all coming up and it's being dealt with. I think I had an advantage of, of my long Christian heritage and my many journeys through many spiritual paths <clears throat> Excuse me. to come to the realization after my first husband's death, and I think I shared this with you, at one point, that I was sitting reflecting on his death and uh, uh woe was me and things like that. When I did, it's like these little thoughts got dropped into my head about, well, you know, life unfolds the way it unfolds. And I had become a pacifist by then. And so I had a different framework to look at in my military framework. I had two of them actually to put side by side and uh, reflect on. And I realized one night that um, all of this war stuff is a co-creative process. It's what you were talking. What I understand you're saying your resonates. It's co-creating. We were created to be co-creators, and that's what we're doing. We're running around co-creating. It's a communal effort. We're a group species. And And also, sadly
4: uh, And sadly, what we're not, will, not willing to deal with becomes part of our unconscious creation. Exactly. That's why we have a workshop called "On Creating Consciously."
3: Exactly. And the willingness to
4: step in and handle those unconscious dynamics so that we're not, one, having our own physiology, our own emotional nature destroyed by them, and bringing it about being a vote energetically to bring about more of it in the world. There are a lot of really powerful reasons to clean it up in ourselves.
3: Perfect. Now I'll continue on. That's what I was going to say. I appreciate your perspective very, very greatly. And I've also come to realize that if I am allowing my belief systems to run the show, I'm never going to get out of my unconscious. And so what I've started doing is I've started actively affirming that this is uh, how I understand it at this point in time for me. And you have mentioned, and Dr. Tim has mentioned both, for me, (laughs) this is what spirit tells me to do. And that's why um, I get a very loud message, thou shalt not watch violent movies. And I think perhaps once it's because I'm highly sensitive I'm guessing now. I have no idea. I just know what the instructions are at this point in time, this moment. The other thing is because I had mentioned, I believe, formally to you and Jeannie and the audience, that I was so distraught when I was 15 and 16 by all of the Holocaust um, documentaries that were going around at that time on television. And I got a very at that I got it at that time. I got it on some level of my teenage self, and it's just a long process for me. And I'm really grateful for this show and for your perspective and Jeannie's perspective, Dr. Kim's perspective, for Susan's sharing, because I swear we could be Siamese twins or something at times. Um, our issues are so similar. And uh, it's been a big help all the way around. But I just, And at the same Sweet. time, I just wanted to share with you that my perspective at this moment in time is that spirit says, that's not where you're supposed to go. I have a different way for you to process out this stuff. And so I wanted to share that with you, that we're all so unique in our spiritual journey home. And I appreciate. And we're all, like you say, we're all in the same boat with all these issues at the same time. So it's this and that for me. (laughs) I just wanted to share that in love.
4: Awesome. Very cool.
3: Well, so are you two and Susan and Dr. Tim and the whole shebang of us.
4: It's a blessed community for sure.
3: For sure. Thank you so much. That's all I have to say. I'm complete.
4: All right. Lots of love and blessings. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: And, Felinda, your package just now arrived, and we do pick up Aria today at 3, so perhaps I can call you after we get her here and she opens the package. How about that?
3: Okay, that sounds good. Whatever works best for all of you.
1: Okay. I'll call you when after we get her here and she gets ready to open it so she can talk to you.
3: Sounds like a good a good okay. thing. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.
4: All right, blessings. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: All right, we have 21 minutes. Somebody else press one.
4: Yeah got lots of time for conversation come on in the house what's I'll on just, your mind um, how can we support you
1: since nobody's raising their hand right at the moment i'll just share i know we share a lot about Arya, but you know she is our big teacher right now and um, yesterday she was talking to me about uh, one of the friends that she has at school and that her friend is you know she considers you're a friend, and she's nice to her, but she said that this girl is, you know, kind of mean to her and um, uh, bossy and all of that. And so we had a conversation about, you know, well, people that are, are angry or, you know, bossy or whatever, they're probably deep inside, they're fearful, and they're just expressing themselves as anger to try to not look at their fear. And she said, well, Nene, I can read minds. And so I know what they're thinking, and usually then, because I know what they're thinking, I can help. And, so, and, and I explained to her, I said, you know, that's awesome if you can hold the space and help them. I said, but you don't have to take the abuse from anybody either. You could tell her, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm your friend. When you want to be nice and talk, you know, come see me, and then you can go play with someone else. I said, you don't have to sit there and take the abuse from her just because she's in her stuff. And she says, well, if ever I can't fix it, you know, I'll do that. And so we're going to have a conversation with her today that it's not her job to fix everybody and uh, make sure that, you know, she's going in the right direction with that. I know a lot of us, and I say us, are fixers, you know, and we think if we can take care, whether it was our power person or whatever, that if we can fix them, if we can take care of whatever the issue is to get them back to being happy, that you know things would be all right, and to direct her in a way where, yes, she can hold the space and help somebody process through it, but it's not her job to fix somebody, so maybe that would uh trigger something in somebody. uh we've got eighteen minutes. press one, let's talk, and we had a hand just go up, sweet. So this is seven five seven. I believe it's Dan.
4: Welcome. Hey, hey y'all. Hey, welcome, sir. How do you be?
6: Doing okay. Being, being tell well. Us, uh, t-
4: tell us uh, 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 what what your uh, worksheet number's at. You you texted it to me the other day.
6: Uh, one
4: thousand five hundred seventy one. That's awesome.
6: Yeah, I've been and and I sort of um actually there's a I always when I come on here it's like I get a little jumbled because it's like there's eight different things I want to discuss and then it's just I guess whatever comes out first. <laughs> but uh you know, I've I've used uh I think four different renditions of the worksheet and right. I want to know if you had any comment on whether you because at, at times, my mind will tell me, well, this one is better, this one's more powerful, whatever. I've noticed that the uh, one I'm using right now is a Xerox of the uh, the one that's provided in the back of the Why Is This Happening to Me Again book. So I think it's right. one of the first, if not the first, kind of rendition. Um, and I like that one. I like when... Um, the part about releasing feelings and thoughts and need to punish. Um, but I noticed also that in the older one, the so in the newer one, the goal is a goal for whatever it is that's triggering me. Um, and in the older one, the goal is just a more general goal. I mean, do you have any sort of Thought on that, or why that change occurred?
4: Well, you know what you're looking at, and I don't, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's probably something like you know the the latest worksheets, probably uh, version seven thousand three hundred and thirty-two. I, I don't know how many. Okay. You know, there were days when I would go through and and do five different, you know, change the worksheet five different times as we put in key ideas and tested it and, and worked with it, and the feedback I've gotten from people is that they tend to just rotate through different sheets because each one has a slightly different energy and a slightly different focus, and, you know, the different focuses help people to go to different places. So I would just okay. suggest, you know, to see see which, again, the, the the most common feedback I've gotten is, yeah, I've got three or four favorites, and I just kind of rotate through them.
6: Okay, okay, that's and, kind of how and basically what I did
4: is I would, you know, I'd I'd edit, 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 then I'd do a Why is this happening to me again? Workshop. We'd work with it. I'd listen to feedback. I'd make changes, and that I mean literally that process went on. You know, it's only been changed maybe three times in the last oh four years, but prior to that, again, there were times when I would make major changes in it. Four times in a day.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay. And the first okay. worksheet,
4: the first worksheet uh, that I set up was uh, probably forty, three or forty-four years ago now.
6: Okay, so it predates the one in the in the book.
4: Yes. Yeah, the one in the book I... was
6: well down the line.
4: Although, when I wrote the book, I still didn't really understand which is what I understand today of why you would cancel a perfectly good goal, and that is so that you can collapse the perception driven by that goal. That was a piece when I wrote the book that I did not understand. That that piece yeah. only came in maybe 15 years ago now, and the book's 25 years ago.
6: I had a, something really big sort of, at least it seemed like it, clicked into place for me yesterday and I've had this thought before, and I maybe shared it before, but it came up again, and I sort of shared it with with Terry, and I was really excited where it was like oh the so the reason that these goals are are driving pain for me is because if I want something, if I hold a goal in mind or in myself, then I'm saying it's like I'm affirming over and over again that I do not have that, so if it's like if my if I have a goal of for uh, my family to accept me, by holding that goal, I'm constantly affirming my family does not currently accept me. Otherwise, how would I have it as a goal? You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's like, so I don't know if that 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 was a big um, sort of thing for me yesterday. Is like, oh, when I hold these goals, I'm actually affirming that the opposite is now the case, um, and I'm That's hurting true. myself with these. Perceptions that I don't have what I want. It's like saying over and over again, I don't have what I want or need or desire. So that's another reason for canceling those goals. <laughs> right. Absolutely.
4: So it's awesome that you're moving in the direction and are uh, are tracking your work. That's pretty fabulous.
6: Yep, I'm continuing on, and uh, there's seems to be endless layers and you know a lot of stuff is coming up regarding my the the move that's upcoming because I'm leaving a job that I've been really involved with and have a lot of emotional charge related to and then I'm moving I've been living in this one house for five years and a lot of stuff has happened here and you know earlier in the show I was listening and I was kind of going through some uh, just, I don't know. I've kept a lot of clutter and stuff around, and some of it's tied to memories and whatnot. And I'm getting rid of some of it, so just a lot is a lot is being stirred up. And uh, I agree with, you know, you were sort of talking earlier. I, I've sort of have the the mindset of, well, I'd prefer to just stir up everything as much as possible so that I can deal with it and and cleanse it and whatnot. I don't know if that's particularly healthy, but that's kind of how I've always been. Makes sense for me. You can't
4: deal with what you're hiding from yourself that you're not willing to face.
6: Other people tell me maybe I should just focus on learning to be present and (laughs) just allow myself to exist peacefully. And I don't know if that seems like decent advice too. Well,
4: I think that's a, a perfectly good place to go and if you realize there's work to be done, then I think the wise thing to do is to do your work.
6: Yeah. Well it seems like you know, doing at least several worksheets per day is a good thing for me right now. I don't know if it will always be a good thing, but uh it's working.
4: Yeah, listen to your highest guidance. That's the best thing I know to do. You know, everything Mm -hmm. that we offer is just an offering. Ultimately, you know, the the objective of this work is to support each person who comes to the work in their direct connection with the real teacher and the only real teacher there is, is within.
6: Mm -hmm.
4: So that's my objective is to support each person, to, you know, connecting to their own inner tutor, their own intuition, and knowing firsthand what there is to be done and uh, the best approach for moving it forward.
6: Well, I think I'm in agreement with that. I think that's awesome. Cool. Well,
4: anything else on your mind for
6: today? Yeah, there's always something going on. I mean, the, uh, so the my new the guy that I'm going to be working for that we're setting things up uh, in Charlottesville. When I move there, I'll be working for him. And, you know, I kind of, I look up to him, I admire him, so on and so forth. And I've noticed in a lot of our communications, I'm reading in a lot of stuff that's not actually there. You know, we were sending some uh, text messages yesterday about just the you know, uh, what's it called? Logistical stuff I need to do to get prepared. And I kept thinking, Oh, he he hates me. He thinks I'm incompetent. He thinks I'm a little child, and it's like that was nowhere in his in his communications. So I'm sounds like you're bit, back
4: to power person messages.
6: Yeah. Is it possible? Does Does anyone have more than one power person, or is it is it? Oh yeah, you like typically a yeah. an aggregate find or what?
4: No, we'll tend to have different power persons in different arenas of our lives. So in one situation, let's say when it comes to finances, there might be a power person that, you know, when we're under stress, and and the way you tell who your key power person is in any given arena is, when you're under stress, whose behavior do you do? Who modeled that behavior for you? And that's your first clue to that's your power person in that arena. So you might have a power person in, in the arena of relationships and a different power person in the arena of money, a different power person in the in the arena of work or performance. Each area of life okay. will oftentimes, now sometimes that power person you know would be the same person in more than one area, but oftentimes it will be someone different. And the best way I know to to go to, okay, exactly who is it? So here I am under stress. What, who's, who's, who gave me that message? Where did I get that modeling from? And that's who the power person will be. Jeannie has a, a kind of an interesting story about that. Jeannie, would you like to share your insight on your power person dynamic?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I always thought that it was my mom. That was my power person. And, um, uh, You know, I do catch myself doing some of the things that she did, you know, the look and the breath and things like that. But ultimately, and this was when we were doing uh, teacher's training and doing the long form, and um, it was like when you're ultra-stressed, you know, what do you do? And and my ultimate go-to is I want to leave, and I don't like confrontation. When I feel like my back is against the wall and I have to come out fighting, you know, that's when my anger will flare and and everything. But my ultimate choice would be just to leave, to get out of the space and, you know, whatever. And what I realized was that was my dad. And my dad Mm -hmm. was one of the sweetest, calmest, I mean, to the day he died, he was, I, I can only name like maybe three times in my life that I ever saw him anything but calm. And, but he went to the farm constantly. Now he had supposedly good reason, quote unquote, you know, he needed to take care of the fields and the cows and all those things. But I think ultimately that he left because it was so stressful at the house that that was his way of dealing with it was to leave. And he had a good reason, a good excuse for leaving. And so what I realized was that's my ultimate power person. And he was calm and sweet and kind and, you know, but what he was doing is what I saw as this is how I survive. Even though it was not something, you know, mean or hateful or, you know, most people would just say, you know, oh, he had a reason. He needed to go take care of the farm. But So that was interesting. And then, of course, you know, I had gotten married when I was 16 years old to escape the house and went right into the frying out of the frying pan into the fire and
2: mm-hmm.
1: that former husband except a goodness, power honey. person. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that he became a power person of this is how you control people around you, you know, and and I didn't go to the point that he did as far as physically hurting. But, you know, it's so yeah, you can move from and people that go into service, you know, they're sergeant or whoever that, you know, beats on them until they do what they're told to do, Um, you know, they become a power person. Uh, If you marry someone who is just really, you know, in your face, they can become your power person. A boss can become a power person. I have found that you can have different ones in different aspects, like one in relationships and one in business and one in, you know, because like at work, I would overwork, not because it was being demanded of me, but because I felt a need to prove myself.
3: Yeah.
1: And, you know, so just so you can have...
3: Beautiful.
1: Yeah. And then I think that, you know, I developed what was called OCD, you know, wanting things, and I still want things to be neat and nice and clear and clean around me. Um, but I also realized that trying to control the outside flutter... Was a way of also hiding an inside chaos.
6: hmm Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, there
1: is, and I'm working on getting it out, but <laughs> I'm not complete yet either.
6: Well, that reson—actually, what you shared, Jeannie, resonated so much for me—not not just as a explanation, but being kind of, like kind of fitting with where I'm at because. Um, you know, I've been doing this work intensely for like six months, but before this, I've I've been in a 12-step recovery for about 12 years. So I've kind of dug around quite a bit and and done some form of healing work for you know over a decade. And a lot of that time, I didn't have the vocabulary, but I but the work I was doing, I was seeing my my mother as my power person, and I was in and I'm aware that I've been in a lot of blame towards her and I think I've done a lot of healing in that regard and this getting involved in this work has kind of not brought that to completion but kind of softened it and especially my last uh, you know relationship that that I've talked about a lot and that kind of inspired a lot of these worksheets I've done it's sort of cleaned up some of that and and it feels like now, I'm not, I'm not saying that dynamic is gone or complete or resolved, but it feels like I'm moving a little bit more into the dynamic uh, with my father, which is also kind of like you were sharing, like I never would suspect it as a, a source of, you know, inner pain or as a dynamic or anything like that because of his sort of calm demeanor. And I always tell, well, my, my mom is my problem. That's where all my problems come from, you know, being in blame towards her. And as that sort of calms down a little bit, and, and the funny thing is the guy, so my dad, he's retired, but he's a he's a psychiatrist. And a lot of times he was, you know, just in my personal life, he seemed aloof and distant and not very available. And his thing as well was kind of, maybe not just leaving, but emotionally leaving to avoid conflict. My mom was a lot more kind of fiery and and emotional and he would just withdraw. And even if he was there, he would disappear emotionally. But the guy I'm going to work for is also a, a, a psychiatrist. So he would be somebody that kind of replicates at least part of that. And that might be why some of these inner messages are coming up. So I just, you know, I thank you for sharing that, because that, that really helped me make sense of my situation a little bit more. Like, it, that is another piece sort of clicked into place there. So, like I said, and like you were kind of saying, I sort of never suspected that dynamic, even after doing a lot of work. Well, there's not not really anything with me and my dad. That's, that area is fine. There's nothing to see there, and, it's like, maybe that's not so accurate.
1: And let me add, too, you know, as a child, We need one safe space or safe parent. And so, like, my mom was the one that did all of the punishment, and she was, you know, the the harsh voice and the demanding and and all of that. So dad was my safe parent, and so not realizing Mm -hmm. him leaving as a power person dynamic.
6: Mm-hmm. breathing with you. How'd you know I needed to be reminded? (laughs) (laughs) Because I needed to be. (laughs) Okay.
4: (laughs) Well, we'd be holding the space. The show is going to cut us off any second, so I'm just going to say appreciation for your input, for your thoughts. And uh, look forward to our next conversation. Thank you both. Everybody, have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. By the way,